I'm Rob. I'm Michelle. And this is Two Librarians, Two Librarians Walk, Walk Into, into a, a Shelf. Shelf. It's right. a book club episode. Book club episode. That means we're at the end of a month. What's Again, coming up next month? Next month. All right. So do we even know yet? We do. Okay. July. We've got five podcasts to do. It's another five podcast month. Don't you love those? Sometimes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think July is going to be fun. So the first podcast of the month, we are doing... Got an interview with our coworker, Gant Moore. That's He's right. going to talk about his favorite cartoons. We're going to get animated with Gant Moore. Uh-oh. And anybody who listens to the podcast, you know Gant. He's the voice... He's the uh, voice at the end of every episode. Voice of every, every episode. And then he's the guy that comes on and does all the funny stuff. Yes. So <laughs> the next one, we're going to talk movies. And Michelle has talked me into watching one of her all-time favorite. I wish you could see the face she's making. One of her all-time favorite movies. Twilight. Ah, Twilight. <sighs> After that, then there's a huge, huge episode. The middle one in the month. That's our big five zero, our fiftieth podcast, and we're gonna take that episode to reflect and make sure that we've used our last forty nine podcasts properly, and that we are where we want to be for fifty. Is anybody though? I don't think so. Okay. So the big five zero, and then after that, we've got two books and a movie, and then. Book club. Book club once again. So we'll that's read a mystery be, this month. Yeah, we're gonna try to try to do some kind of mystery. So it's a full month coming up, but uh, right now we've got we've got a full episode. Have, yeah, we read two books this month for book club. This was one of those rare months uh, book club episodes that we found a second book that I felt tied in to the first book. Mm-hmm. They complemented each other. I knew nothing about either one of them before we started reading them. So this was a very exciting book club because I enjoyed both books for what they were. Yeah. And uh, let's get into it. First book we read was Outlawed by Anna North. I saw this one described as The Handmaid's Tale meets True Grit, and I think that seems okay. I also saw it described as The Crucible crossed with True Grit. So if you're not familiar, True Grit is a classic Western about three people on their search to bring an outlaw to justice. Handmaid's Tale is speculative fiction about a United States that has reduced women to their ability to produce babies. And The Crucible is a play about the Salem Witch Trials. So I think if you were to stir all three of those things together in a pot, yes, I think you do get outlawed. Yes, I think that's a perfect description of outlawed, actually. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the first the first line of the book? Do you remember the first line of the book? I don't remember. I'll read it. Okay. In the year of our Lord, 1894, I became an outlaw. Oh, that's one of those classic, like, that's that's that classic hook line yep. that uh, pulls you in and you're like, huh, I wonder what happens. Let's read. Yeah. Let's keep reading. So it's 1894. There's been a deadly flu epidemic that's wiped out a good portion of the population. Ada's our young girl. Our hero who assists her midwife mother in delivering babies and she helps keep the people in her town well. After she's married, she realizes she cannot conceive a child and she's branded as barren and her husband leaves her. Uh, when other pregnant women in town have complications, 
Ada is blamed, and some claim she's a witch. She leaves town to live in a convent away from the sheriff out looking for her. Restless and not really the nun type, she's sent to a bookseller farther west to the kid who runs the hole-in-the-wall gang. And this is... A direct throwback. Yeah, this is total Western here. So uh, the kid takes her on and christens her Doc. Quickly, she's taught how to ride a horse and fire a six-shooter. Over time, she sees that gender plays little part in the gang, as all the gang are women, but some dress and act as men. She's even taught then how to disappear in a crowd as a man, which is the gang's biggest protection, which I thought that was kind of interesting that Mm -hmm. I never thought about that. Kind of, kind of, kind of a, a, a neat twist there. All the women are barren and some are not attracted to men or identify with being a woman. Eventually the kid concocts a plan to rob a bank, which will enable the, the gang to use the money to take over the town so they can build a community for women like them, all the women that have been shunned by society for being different. They enlist the help of a couple of men, Henry and Lark. While dressed as a man for the Easter week celebration, Lark makes a pass at Ada. When they are later arrested, they come clean, and Lark says that he was outed from his home when he revealed his relations with other men. The townspeople went so far as to castrate him. In an attempt to break out of jail, Ada and Lark marry, and they eventually get back to the kid and the gang. In grand Western fashion, there's a huge climactic shootout between the -the hole-in-the-wall gang and the posse of men bent on killing the women before they can do any more harm. So that's that's the story in a nutshell. It was a, this this story has a lot. It's got heists, romance tropes, shootouts, a twist. I didn't see the twist coming, like the the traitor. Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why. Should have. But I didn't. <laughs> I'm not, I won't spoil that. But there's a traitor. So I was reading some interviews with the author, uh, Anna North, and she said she didn't read any Westerns when she was writing it and didn't watch any Westerns while she was writing it because she didn't want to be derivative necessarily. But she did a lot of research in the actual hole-in-the-wall gang. Okay. And so her character, the kid, is loosely based on Billy the Kid. And then you have Cassie, loosely based on Butch Cassidy. thought that was interesting. Um, and she actually traveled to Wyoming and went to where the hole in the wall gang lived. Oh, wow. Okay. And kind of got a feel for the land. But she also wrote this like with a newborn. Oh, really? Yeah. Like she started it before she had the baby and then wrote the bulk of it with a newborn. I'm just, I can't imagine <laughs> <laughs> doing anything with a newborn. So I just, I think that's like a heroic effort as it, as it is. I would call this this genre speculative western. Like there's speculative fiction. So mm-hmm. It's like speculative western. Okay. I get that. I almost read it as a science fiction. It's the alternate history aspect of the story, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. It's a wild west as we kind of know it after a flu epidemic. But then it kind of comes across as more of a like a Mad Max post-apocalyptic world as opposed to a true Western. At least that's what I had kind of envisioned in my mind as yeah. I was reading it. And then what I found weird was the 
or not weird, but different. What I found different was the witch hunt aspect of going after these uh, women who are unable to conceive a baby. Right. And then the belief that they were keeping other women from being able to conceive. So that's actually directly pulled from history. Okay. So the, the part of the great witch hunts that started in the 1500s in Europe had to do with fertility and miscarriage. So women who miscarried could blame it on a woman that they suspected was a witch. So like, cause you know, people were, I don't know why people were so crazed and insane. I haven't done a lot of reading about it cause it makes me feel a lot of anxiety. Right. Sure. Um, but they, they would blame any kind of fertility problems or miscarriages on a woman and they would call her a witch. And then, you know, subsequently that woman would get burned at the stake. So, and also barren women were tried as witches. And of course, because at the time their primary function in society was to bear progeny to their husbands. So if they can't fulfill that, what do you do with them? I guess you just call her a witch and burn her and move on to the next one. I mean, that's what they did. I mean, that's how it sounds. And I, I don't want to be so reductive, but that's, that's how it's always portrayed, I think. And I don't think that that's so far off. Because like if your usefulness is to just populate the earth and you can't do that, then what do you do with you? And there wasn't a lot of room, I guess, at the time for useless people. And, of course, I don't think someone who can't have children is useless. But Right. You know, but like, within this this right. concept what of is your story. If you can't do anything else but have children, but you can't have children. You know, anyway. So this book gave me a lot of anxiety. I know you struggled with it a bit. I really struggled. It was hard for me to get through it. I kind of like sped through big chunks of the middle. And I understand that the, the point of the book was that just because someone is different doesn't mean that they're evil, right? So like that's the whole point. The whole point is that, and so these stories are brought up again and again, to, you know, to give people voices and also make the point that just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's evil, you don't have to call it a witch and burn it at the stake. Right. But, you know, the book starts out with a deadly pandemic. And so that's anxiety inducing. Right. And then it's, you know, people became in this world, became so obsessed with this very traditional role of women as baby makers. And that if you can't, if that's not your role in the world, then they'll just dispose of you. I don't know. And then that, that theme kept coming back, right? They kept bringing it up. That's everyone's story. Every one part right. of the hole in the wall game. Their story is that they were barren or were not interested in that part of, you know, being a woman at all. And so they were cast out or, I mean, and in Lark's case, he doesn't fit the, the role of man in the way people think that he should. And, you know, they maim his body. Right. And just, so it just kept coming back to, or like the story, the kid who has a baby and the kid doesn't act like people think the kid should act after having the baby. So they remove the baby from her and she still has to try to make more babies with the husband who hates her. But if she has more, they have to take it away because she's not right in the head or whatever reason. And I shouldn't say she because there's no pronouns. The kid doesn't use pronouns, so I shouldn't say that. I don't know. Like, it, it's, every time it came back to that, it was just like, I just wanted to put the book down. It was too much for me. 
Yeah, and that is a major part of the book. It is. So, so this one was difficult for me to get through, but I didn't dislike it. It was just really hard for me to read. I I liked it because I saw it as, as kind of a, a genre story that was telling a much bigger story than a Western about outlaw women. Right. And uh, it, it's a bigger story because it pulls in the character of Lark. It, it tells a, a bigger story about people who are different. And uh, I, I really appreciate that. And I really thought that Ada was a great character to experience this story through because she's, until she's unable to conceive, she has no idea that, obviously, that she's unable to conceive. So mm-hmm. she's helping her midwife mom uh, deliver babies. She's there to keep people safe to keep them healthy, and then she can't participate in this. That's been her whole life right. is learning this skill and learning to keep the the mother calm and safe and getting the baby. And, 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 and now <laughs> she's then removed from that. Like she does have a purpose. She can right. still be this comfort to women as they go through childbirth, but they take that away from her. Mm-hmm. So really, you talk about a character that's had everything stripped away from him and is left with nothing and then rebuilds and kind of gets in with a lot of other women, people uh, that have similar story. I really got into it. I really liked that. And I found it interesting. I don't know if you caught on to this. <laughs> this is the second book club pick in a row <laughs> that features two characters who hang out together named Henry and Lark. That's true. We had Henrietta, who went by Henry, mm-hmm. and Lark, sisters, in the last book. Yep. And now we've got... Henry and Lark, couple of dudes. couple of outlaw dudes who hang out together. I, what are the chances? I think, I mean, clearly pretty good. <laughs> Who's going to read those two books in order, in that particular order, though? Like, uh, probably no one else. <laughs> so, whatever the chances are of that, I thought, man, you talk about a weird thing. Like, that jumped out at me immediately. Right. Like, Henry, Henry, Henry. That's the character that they talk about first. And I was like thinking, because I was finishing, I started this book while I was finishing the uh, audio book. Okay. So, you had Henry on the brain. And then, and then there was Lark. And then I got confused. I'm like, "Whoa, wait, 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 wait! What what book is this? Literally, what both a weird books crossover! Have a Henry and a Lark. I thought that was kind of cool. All right. I also love that Ada never stopped fighting uh, for the opportunity to learn medicine and to continue mm-hmm. to help women and not to give way to superstition. She kept it all. There's science books. And the science books explain a whole lot of this, and she's determined then to figure out the rest of it. Right. And I and I love that heroic character. I liked Ada. Yeah. I liked Ada a lot. She was resilient. She was smart. And she learned to stand on her own two feet and not let crappy circumstances kind of keep her down in the end. Now she had a heck of a journey too. She, she really did, and I, I but I really liked her. So I think this uh, this book has been pretty well received. Yeah, it was um, a Reese's Book Club pick earlier this year. It yep. got a lot of uh, good reviews. Like if you read, you know, like NPR, New York Times book reviews, 
uh, the library publications reviewed it really favorably. It's called a feminist Western. And so is the next one that we read, Upright Women Wanted by Sarah Gailey. They're both called feminist Westerns. And they're, they're feminists. They're told from the female perspective. And they, I think the reason why they get that, the feminist label, is they've taken a traditionally male genre and flipped it on itself to give it a female perspective. And I think that's why it gets the label as feminist. See, and I think that's exciting. Yes. I've always loved stories that do that. Mm-hmm. I wrote myself, I guess, what would might be considered a feminist Western because it was a spaghetti Western and all the, all the heroes were, were women. And they, they took off with the action, gunfights, everything. And then, when are you going to let me read that? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. A pistol for the scorpion sting, I believe is what it was called. It's your book. I, uh, <laughs> and I just love doing that. Uh, I love taking that and imagining a scene that's traditionally a guy and then giving that scene to a woman and letting her be the quick draw, like right. whatever the action is. So for me, these books were really good. I think that if you read Westerns in general, mm-hmm. if you enjoy Western stories, just because these are feminist, mm-hmm. I think that you still would enjoy them. Because it's still a Western. It's still, yeah. It's at, fundamentally at its a Western with the heists and the guns and the Absolutely. vernacular and the setting and everything. It's There's cattle and bison involved yeah so it's a real western it's a it's written by a woman it's a real western (laughs) yep (laughs) so yeah so then i guess at some point i had finished outlawed and then i came and found upright women wanted and this is this is in my discovery of audiobooks i started listening to this it was a good audiobook yeah i came to you and i was like hey there's another book that we need to that we need to add to Outlawed, and you knew it. Yeah, I'd started it and never got to finish it. Um, I had to turn it back into the library before I finished the book itself. But um, Hoopla has the audiobook, and I think they have the ebook as well. Yes, they do. So we were able to both grab the audiobook, and and it's short. It's a novella. So I think like when you talk, talk when you read reviews of Upright Women Wanted, it's it's considered a novella. It's short. The audiobook's four hours long. Yeah, the only complaint that I keep reading about that one is that it's so short. Yeah, that they wanted more character development and like plot. There's a lot packed into the book, though. I like, thought Sarah so too. Sarah Gailey did a lot in 200 pages or whatever. Oh, it is. they killed it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I I liked it much more than I liked Outlawed, and I, it may just be the subject matter. Well, issue. I think too. Like, what's the first thing on the cover that you see? Are you a coward or, or are, are you, you a librarian? librarian? Come on, well, man. Well, we're, you know, a story about like butt kicking librarians, making sure that people have the materials that they need to live the lives that they want. That's, that's what we do. Yeah. I, I'm probably a coward though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I'm kind of a marshmallow. You no, I think I think you're more of a butt kicker than you think. I don't know. All right, so upright women wanted by Sarah Gailey. This is the story starts. Uh, we we meet Esther. She's a young woman escaping a life uh, and a father. There's a backstory there that we learn later. 
She uh, stows away in the library wagon headed to Utah. The head librarian, Bet, finds her. Bet's traveling with Lita and a third librarian, Cy, who travels along on horseback. They quiz Esther why she all of a sudden wants to join the librarians, and Bet can tell she's not on the level. Esther finally decides to tell them the truth about how her lover, Beatrice, was brutally hanged. She's trying to run away from that. Uh, she's literally running away from her past. Bet decides Esther can come along, but she has to earn her keep. Cy begins training her on how to survive on the trail, and she's assigned the duty of mending books. As the librarians travel, Esther slowly sees there's more going on than them just delivering government-approved materials from town to town. Eventually, the librarians take on two passengers, Guinevere and Trace, to take to Utah, where there's a community for gay citizens. Also, Amity joins the group, and Amity is this fiery, rootin' tootin', gun-shooting, outlaw, insurrectionist who is just, she's the Clint Eastwood character. She's deadly yep. with her six shooters. Uh, as they get closer to their destination, Esther begins to really want to be a librarian, realizing that Bet and Lita are together, and she doesn't want to have to be someone she's not. And this one just, this one was just. This is nonstop action. Action, 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 action. Yeah. I love this one. Yeah, this was, this was a great book. And I think it, it felt more like a Western than Outlaw did. Outlawed had all of the, like, it was in the Old West. It was in Wyoming. It was based on the whole in the wall gang. But Upright Women Wanted felt like a Western. It just. The, and we actually have it in science fiction because it takes place in a future it's after. It's like a future speculative dystopian. Right, right. America that has gone completely fascist. So it's, and it's in a Wild West setting, but you hear, you know, the librarians get the pre-approved materials. Uh, there's books, there's CDs, there's movies. It's, it's all the materials that the government are, are cool with. And then there's horses, but then there's also cars and, and it's, so it's kind yes. of weird that it drops those in, but they, it's not so weird that it's distracting. Like you totally forget about it actually. Yeah. Some of the criticisms that I read about the book included the fact that there wasn't enough world building like they ah. wanted to know, but I, I think stories suffer sometimes when there's lots of explanation on how things are the way they are and why things the way they are. I'm, I'm okay with suspending belief and accepting what the author is telling me without explaining why it works. Like I'm okay with that. I yeah, don't mind doing that. I don't need to hear what happened. Like I get it. They're in a Mad Max kind of Western world. That's yep. all I need to know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with not having lots of the world building and the explanation of, you know, what what exactly does the new government look like? I don't need that. I'm good. I it's, get it. It's fascist. Things have devolved terribly. It's a horrible place, and librarians are making the world safe. I think that's now too. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, and it never really says what happened or why. And, and again, cool with that. Yep. I am absolutely cool with that. But, yeah, it did feel much more like a Western. So the author said that the inspiration for the book is the Librarian Brigade. After the Great Depression, they would trek across the Appalachian Mountains carrying books in their packs, like with their donkeys and whatever, to bring to isolated communities so that they would have newspapers, books, 
kids had the opportunity to learn to read in these isolated mountain towns and basically in Appalachia. So I thought that was cool that they took that experience and that story and twisted it. But instead of old West, it's new West and everything is terrible. Yeah. And Esther's a great character. My favorite character was Amity. Now I know that (laughs) I don't know. She was a great character. Period. All, all of them were great. I, I loved, uh, Cy was a very cool character that kind of been around, gunslinger kind of right. character. And then, of course, uh, Bet and Lita are the old timers. You know, they've been on the trail a long time. And Esther's great as that, you know, that new to this world, learning how to shoot, learning how to, you know, seeing the world for what it is and, and coming to understand things about her relationship with Beatrice and why things happened. And But Amity is just like, shoot first and don't even bother asking questions later. We got too much ground to cover. <laughs> yes, Amity was fun. <laughs> she was a great character. Kind of a twerp, but fun. So we both, well, you had started reading it and then... It was on hold, and then you finished it on. I I just started over and listened to the whole so you audio book because it was only it was only four hours. Yeah. The audio book well was four great. Hours. It was great. And I forget who narrates it, but she did the best voices for each of the characters. Man, they they were they were really. <laughs> and good. I guess that's why I liked Amity the best. Like I always knew if if my brain kind of wandered a bit, I always knew when it was Amity's dialogue by the voice that she was doing. And of course she was always calling Esther hop along, which you didn't really no, care for. I hated every time I had to hear them call her hop along. Come on, hop along. I don't know why I hated it. I just did. Just, just, there's gotta be a better nickname. Um, the narrator is Romy Nordlinger. She was great. She did a great job with the voices for sure. I'm noticing this is my, that was my first Western Audiobook. I, I told you I, I listened to another one, The Golden Mountain by Will C. Knott, and that mm-hmm. was read by Michael Taylor. And I think that there is, I've listened to enough audiobooks now, now that I've experienced them mm-hmm. and, and get them. The narrator is always going to try to make the characters distinct, but I think there's more to material there in a Western because the people that I've heard in the two Westerns that I've listened to and <laughs> in the William C. Knott book, uh, The Golden Mountain, there's a prospector character. And I listened to that prospector character. And I think we just did a, uh, like a little promo for a movie series that we're doing. That's true. Yep. I think I was channeling that I character. I 100% believe that you were channeling that character, especially at the end. <laughs> Um, when you stomp off and have a tantrum <laughs> of our little movie promo. It, and I hope when we say like the old Western prospector voice, people know what we're talking about. It's very. Dang, never yeah, did that. Exactly that. You ain't my boss, Michelle. <laughs> dang it, babe. Bling it, bling it. And so whenever you get an old prospector <laughs> character, I think in, a, in an audio book, I think that the whoever's narrating it, I think that's the character they love the most. <laughs> yeah, because it's got to be the most fun to voice. I've saw this called a reinvented pulp western. Oh, yeah. So I think that fits it really well. They have a new book out that you've mentioned, but you're a little hesitant about that one. Their other one, Magic for Liars, was really good. 
I okay. recommend that one. The new one that they have is The Echo Wife. And I feel like that one was written as like my own specific nightmare. <laughs> so the premise of that one is uh, this woman is a scientist and she uh, like has created a clone of herself as part of her research. And then come to find out that her husband is cheating on her with her clone. Oh. And I I just, I, I don't know that I can read that. Okay. That I one's just, weird. It just seems. Sounded. Yeah. That's I'm, a premise that we've never had before, but as science right. continues to evolve, that might be an issue later on. So I'm not, I'm not super into that, that one. I don't know that I'll be reading that one, but it has good reviews and I, it's short, like. Upright women wanted, so I'm I'm suspecting it's just action packed as well. Well, we we have the book here. Yep. Libby also offers the audio book, and the audio book is eight hours, so it's a little bit longer. Okay. So that is available if anyone's interested, and I am curious enough to probably check that one out. I really it's supposed to be like creepy. I really really enjoyed Upright Women Wanted. Okay. I enjoyed both of these books. Like I I genuinely. I think this is one of the two of the best picks that we've ever done. Of the two, I probably enjoyed Upright Women Wanted. Yeah, I recommend both of them. I think they're both worth reading, but Upright Women Wanted was more fun. It was more fun, but I think that Outlawed was great in that it kind of tackled um, a lot of different issues. It did. And uh, that one's going to stick with me for a while. Yeah. This little on the little the blurb of the book in Hoopla for Upright Woman Wanted it says the future American Southwest is full of bandits, fascists, and queer librarian spies on horseback trying to do the right thing. So I think that sounds that alone. I mean, it it hooked me. I started it and had to turn it back in because it was on hold. Right. So I was glad to come back to it. I just thought it was kind of funny though when I started telling you about it and you know all about it because. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel like I'm. I we read so much weird stuff that I'm on you the do. outside <laughs> of everything. So when I started talking about it, you knew what it was. I was like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. You need to read this." And and we were like, "Hey, let's let's add it to the the book club." Now I'm glad we did. Yes, those two books complemented each other. Those were fun to read back to back, or or they were enjoyable for me. I know that you. Outlawed was a bit much, but it, I'm still glad I read it. So it's fine. I think that I think either one of these could be movies. Yes. I think that uh, Upright Women Wanted would be an awesome. It would be fun. Yeah. With the shoot 'em ups and yeah. I think that yeah, just the idea of of these of these librarians and the and the shootouts and the because it was pretty rough. Speaking it, of librarians and shootouts, mm -hmm. you've seen the trailer for um, Gunpowder Milkshake, right? Yes. When does that come out? Do you remember? I don't remember. I'm ready for that it's this movie. Summer. I'm ready for that movie. We will do that for a uh, two books and a movie when it when we actually have it in the system. Yes, we'll have to check and make sure we can get that on hold. But I'm ready for that with Karen Gillum as this like main character, assassin, librarian situation. It's like Kill Bill, but librarians. <laughs> <laughs> librarians are kicking some and serious hiney right now. Yep. So I'm here for it. All right. I think all that's right. all we've got for today. Okay, so you know what we're doing next month, and we will be hosting another movie uh, here at the Madison Public Library, and that one will be Forbidden Planet. You picked it because... It's like a classic cheesy sci-fi. So we've gone from, like, bad cheesy sci-fi, like, so bad it's good, to, like, so good it's good. 
she picked it because Robbie the robot's in it. And we you, tell you not to trust robots. And then there's Robbie the robot. And it's like, how do you not trust Robbie the you robot? You agreed to it because it has Robbie the robot in it. Because, okay, there's one trustworthy robot. And it's Robbie. It's Robbie. Okay. So, yeah. So we're going to be showing that. It's a, it's a, it's a classic. There's going to be some people in it that you recognize. Leslie Nielsen's in it. Baby Leslie Nielsen. Baby Leslie Nielsen's in it. And uh, just, uh, it's a it's a great flick. So we'll be showing that. And uh, five podcasts, the big five zero. July's going to be... Uh, it's a big month. Big month, big month. So except for Robbie the Robot, I don't care what they tell you. <laughs> Remember, kids. Don't, don't trust, trust robots. robots. The views expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville-Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us. No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project. Altair 4, gentlemen, I am to transport you to the residence.